and welcome to the All Japan Women's Destiny podcast. I'm your host, JD. Welcome to another episode as we go through the history of All Japan Women's Professional Wrestling through the classics episodes that you can find uh, on various places of the internet. I vastly encourage to follow along and learn and enjoy the history of this just awesome women's wrestling promotion of the past. This is a spin-off in conjunction with the Red Leaf Retrocast. That is the proper episode where these come from. It is myself and Kay running through the history of All Japan Women. And these episodes, we hope you enjoy our audio and our uh, discussions over the various wrestlers and the matches in which we go through the ages. If you like what you hear and you want more content, please consider checking out the Patreon. That is patreon.com slash redleafretrocast, all one word, where we also cover LLPW, K covers JD Star, various other uh, women's wrestling promotions of the past, and the project that the whole reason it exists is the Joshi 2010's journey, where we go through coming out of the dark ages of Joshi professional wrestling and really learning and having fun with wrestlers that we're very familiar with to this day to ones that we may have missed out on. I hope you enjoy the audio you're about to hear covering AJW. And if you want more, please, again, consider signing up to the Patreon and leaving us reviews over at iTunes, Spotify, and the like, all your favorite podcasting outlets in which you listen to AJW and the Redley Fletcher cast. Enjoy. And it's time for the retro. It's All Japan Women Classics. It's episode 55. February 1st, 1992. March 7th, 1992. A couple good shows. Yeah, the AJ, uh, AJW always, always delivering, except for when Bat Yoshinaga's there, or Hota. Uh, well, Hota wasn't wasn't too bad on the show. The The Bat Yoshinaga match was... dreadful. <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we should have Bat Yoshinaga discussed in the despair section only because she's so bad? Oh, I don't, like her matches are always horrible. She's not a the... wrestler. <sighs> that's, the whole po- that's the whole problem. Is she's not a wrestler. She's like a fucking MMA holdover bullshit thing that they were trying to do. And that. they want to keep her strong, sort of. So they book her against the worst talent. <laughs> like a Kemi Torisu who somehow still has a job. She is a Kemi Torisu is the worst. I've ever seen in a wrestling ring. I I would. She is the worst I am not kidding I've ever seen, you. Yes, we're gonna get to like fucking David Flair on Nitro. Akemi Torizu is somehow worse. <laughs> I mean, at least he can kind of run the ropes. I don't think she could even try if she wanted to. David Flair can sort of put on a figure four. Akemi Torizu is incapable of walking in the ring. It is incredible. <laughs> I have never seen anyone like her, and she, like, whether it's in the shoot fighting where she doesn't know what she's doing and she's huddling, and they they book her to get the, the shit kicked out of her, and then in a regular rest, you know what, we're giving her way too much time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, no, go on, go on, she's no. terrible, she's awful. No, too much time, I want to talk about fun shit, like, Debbie Malenko and Saki Asagawa taking on Toshio Yamada and Kyoko Inoue. From the February 1st, 92 show. This went almost 20 minutes and it was sick awesome. 
Oh, yeah, dude, especially at the beginning when they're fighting in the streamers and shit. That was pretty cool. Yeah, Debbie and Saki dropkick the sh- uh, dropkick, uh, Yamada and Inoue through the streamers. They hit a couple dives. Then the then they fight in the streamers. It's a rad start. I love it. And then going away, you know, as you have here in your notes, so lovely put, why is she doing Mongolia chops? I ask myself that every time because she still does spots to this day. I don't know if you know this. And they still look just as bad as they look now. Do not get, but they do not get any better. The only person I've seen do Mongolian chops any good is Tenzon, <laughs> or as uh, I <laughs> as I discovered in my Starcade reviews over on the Patreon, Tenzon when he shows up in. Oh yeah, Tenzon. <laughs> uh, it's like she's. I think Kyoko in a way. This is like her peak. I don't think she gets any better than this. I think this is kind of the level of skill she has throughout her top run and everything. If my memory serves me correct. So don't expect her to get any better is what I'm trying to say. She's not bad, but she's, I don't know. She doesn't ever come off as a main event wrestler. I disagree with that. I, th- I think she's being uh, heavily elevated. This Yamada Inoue team is fantastic. Uh, it- it's two completely different styles from each other. Yamada did a sweet elevated special elevated like kick thing and then kicks the shit out of Saki Hasegawa. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Uh, elevated gory special is what I meant to say. That's very wacky moves. Yamada is improving, adding much more to her arsenal. She is, uh, among that group with Minami Toyota and, and company that, uh, you see a lot of visible improvement as the last year or so has gone on. Kyoko Onoe got that big push in the, uh, 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 not Tag League, the uh, Grand Prix, and she's been over ever since. She has hit some level that she, like, I, I hope to see her when she reaches the main event in a more, I guess, singles capacity, that uh, she can reach past the ceiling that she currently has, has, and I think that's why we're seeing her in these tag matches with Yamada trying to uh, bust out some new things, get more comfortable, so then when they do put her there, she'll be more than ready and can hit the next level. Right, so what I'm saying is based solely off of big memory of stuff I've watched of hers in the 90s, which isn't a whole lot, admittedly. Um, especially, I think I've only seen one of her title matches, and I wasn't too impressed if her memory serves me right. Uh, so I, that's why I say, like, I don't think she comes off as, like, the, the, the AJW-style main eventer. Like, when you think of AJW main eventers... There's names that come to mind, and she doesn't come to the. She doesn't feel like she is in that same category. You know what's funny? I, th- I believe it was in the last episode we were talking about who comes to mind for uh, the best of AJW in history, <laughs> and Kyoko yeah. Inoue is. You would fall on that list. She's, like, she's not the pretty, first name that comes. No, and and there's there's since the uh, PWI 150 came out, and you see things like Charlotte's the best, Sasha Banks. Uh, they they name off all these names. Uh, these are the best women ever. And I always look for kind of the Joshi replies. And Manami Toyota is a very po- uh, uh, popular answer. Mostly because... Kong, Bonacano, those are the ones that you see get mentioned a lot. Even like Chikusa gets mentioned a lot more. Well, I mean, if uh, if you see Japanese fans reply to these things, they're they're always like Chikusa, uh, Jaguar Yakota. They may may go uh, a little back in the the 80s gets left behind a lot in those conversations, especially in terms of the West. But yeah, Kyoko it's Inoue is, that gets mentioned around that time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Kyo, Kyoko Inoue is very much part of this heavy 90s uh, high work rate group. 
and yet she's never gets brought up she never gets ever. brought up ever it's kind of funny yeah it's 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 always this weird thing that i always feel when it comes to her it's like she had the big title run and she was a draw we see that she's popular with the crowd but she's not remembered like the a lot of the other ones and i feel like the because her big title run comes at like the dregs of the company in 97 it comes towards the the back half of things I don't know if she has a run before that, but that's the run that comes to mind when she leaves and everything. But she doesn't, I don't think she has the performance, memorable performances as a Manami Toyota, as an Aja Kong, Bonacano, uh, Jaguar. Uh, even a fucking Hokuto gets mentioned more than her. And Hokuto never held the damn belt. Well, Hokuto is also more. one of the best of all time. <laughs> right. And, but you see, like, Jaguar, you see all these people get mentioned and they all come. After or before Kyoko anyway, she doesn't get the same mention. I think much. that's and, I think that's why when kind of Hall of Fame conversations come and you finally get down the list and Kyoko Inoue comes up, you kind of think back, it's like, okay, what what was the entirety of her career? And we're gonna we're gonna watch the context of a uh, of a lot of it. And that's super curious to me because we see her in the the 2010s and it's pretty it's pretty dire she's at the end of her career uh big time in 2010 what do you mean she's still going now (laughs) yeah okay (laughs) so the match was back and forth as you do it's ajw uh it's you get the idea at this point you're listening this far in uh the finish is a yamada uh german right on hasegawa's head kyoko runs up the corner where debbie is And uh, Debbie's standing on her corner where she would tag in. Kyoko runs up her corner to do her little jumping back elbow drop that looks terrible. Debbie tries to grab the leg because I guess she's like, I'm going to call it like a shoot, brother. I'm going to try to trip her because this shouldn't be the finish. Potentially, this could have ended in absolute horror because Kyoko had no intention of like falling on a turnbuckle or anything. She was going. Right. So thank God Debbie didn't get a good grip on on this at all. Uh, cause then Debbie tries to immediately get in the ring after Kyoko has this elbow, elbow drop spot. And she takes like half a step in and Kyoko from the side blasts her with a drop kick and Debbie Malenko ragdolls from this drop kick into the rope. And then like a slinky downstairs do, 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 and hits the mat. Oh, it was a receipt. That was definitely a receipt. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Saki Asagawa gets pinned by Yamada and Kyoko then walks over the corpse of Saki just cold blooded uh, this match was awesome I really enjoyed it yeah, I think Yamada was the big stand up for me in the match I mean Yamada like you said it keeps improving and more and more gets better and better I think she's always one that I always feel like deserved more later in her career than she got but I I mean I'm just more excited for her rivalry we're going to have coming up with Monami Toyota because we've got a bit more of that to go through which I'm excited for yeah, this company, uh, since the later end of 1990, with that hot uh, Bull Nakano um, Jungle Jack feud that started, the company is, has kept on this upward trajectory ever since. So all it kind of goes to show you, you build the talent up slowly, you get a hot program in your main event, then you can build the rest of your crew uh, up to a level, which we're seeing... And the roster will slowly catch up because we're seeing people like Takako Inoue, uh, Yamada, Saki Hasegawa is now now breaking out a little bit. Kyoko Inoue is on the verge of the main event. This is very similar to what we're seeing in Stardom right now. Yeah, it's almost like this is the playbook you follow and Rossi is following it to the T. 
Well, it's a good. Smart it's man a good at Rossi Ogawa. <laughs> yeah, it's a good playbook to building stars. You can you can make a, a similar comparison to AEW. The difference is AEW, as they did start from scratch, they didn't have to build. <laughs> they didn't have to build young like the whole roster uh, from young stars up. Like they already had Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega. Uh, the list goes on. While the like they're they're really building up the four pillars right now. With Jungle Boy, uh, MJF and Comp and Darby Allen and company, like these are your young guys that you gotta take the time and build up. So it's that next crop that takes over from uh, the all the guys that started the company. That's who you gotta pay attention to, and that won't happen now, but it's definitely gonna be over the course of the next three to four years. And in AJW's case, it took less, just about less than two, like around that mark, where they finally had all the wrestlers start breaking out and coming in on uh, and since they let's see they all debuted in like 86 87 88 that's kind of the time frame point, we're looking yeah, at yeah. and since uh yeah later end so that's you know 2 3 4 years of experience and now they're all starting to get to this level and boy is that a comparison to stardom if i ever <laughs> if i've ever seen one well, right well look at how they started this 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 sort of rise up with this portion of the, they pulled born Akano, someone that people already kind of were aware of at least because she had kind of been with dump matsumoto in those big matches and then they elevated her front and center sounds like they did what they did with mayu okay exactly. someone we had in these big matches okay well this is going to be the start point this is gonna be the pill the, the tip of our spear and everything else is gonna go back until we establish everybody and that's what they did they established bull then they established those around bull they established mayu established those around mayu it's kind of weird because you'll see people try to say well they didn't need to establish people like momo or utami or whatever but to the greater masses they definitely did because we may know who they are. Fans of the product that we're following at the time may know who those people are. But the general wrestling audience didn't know who the fuck some of these people are, so now they know who they are. Right. So that's what you do. Yeah. And speaking of Takako Inoue, Takako Inoue defending her AJW title. This was cut out of the classics, but we found it anyways, because I want to see Takako Inoue. I am I am I have become a big fan of this Takako Inoue. Oh boy, well you can't before wait to her see leather, her later. Before her before leather taser chan days that we're seeing in Oz Academy. <laughs> her leather clad fucking biker style <laughs> days. Those uh, are the days I like. I like chain smoker to go in a way. <laughs> she takes on and defeats Miori Kamiya. Uh, match built around Takako taking a nasty fall off the top turnbuckle. Uh, she, she holds the back. That's the whole story here. B- very big back injury. And from there, it's Miori kind of working working her over. She's hitting Germans. She's hitting suplexes, creating some really close and nice near falls. It's not like, look, it, it's the AJW title. Let's let's compare this to future title, high-speed-esque. This is what it is. <laughs> yeah, your, your future high-speed-esque uh, level. And so the the ring level isn't like quite quite there as compared to the tag match we just watched. However, the the story in the ring, the way they worked, uh, it, it definitely at at the very least reached that level to what they were capable of. It got some really close, nice near falls throughout. Occasionally, Takako would hit kind of a key move of hers, namely her little shoulder suplex, fighting back from underneath. It's very simple. It's very nice, and uh, she hits another one later in the match, very late, and uh, she finally gets the win via that move. And feels like it feels like she escaped defending her title. Uh, and survived. So nice match. I quite enjoyed this. 16 yeah, minutes, 48 of, seconds. I was kind of surprised it got cut out because what we ended up getting was a really rough rookies match. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think those aren't even like worth mentioning anymore because they're just I, I so they're so the, basic. Even on the classics, I don't even understand what that was there. Yeah, I, I would have rather uh, the classics would have been much better served, kind of showing off a lot of these near falls in the match and showing you the finish of this almost seventeen uh, minute future title match. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. It's so weird how some of this stuff ends up on the classics and other things don't. It's just odd. Yeah. Aja Kong versus Bull Nakano main event. And when I saw this on the card for the classics, I was excited. I didn't know what to expect. All I knew is the two the two big animals of AJW are meeting in the center of the ring. K, what happened? Well, they just they proceed to well one, Aja Kong proceeded to in her entrance just attack parts of the crowd with her trash cans and arms and then she made her way to the ring, uh, and then Bull's music hits, and then it doesn't even matter because Aja runs to the back and grabs her from the back before she can even exit the, the tunnel or the uh, entranceway there. Pulls her in, and they start brawling in the crowd immediately. Chairs everywhere. Fans are just spreading out, running away, almost like they're almost like uh, Godzilla versus King Kong, and everyone's just running from the carnage. They are just tearing everything up fighting on the rings on the um, the announcer table, uh, just throwing chairs at each other, fighting through the crowd. They eventually get back into the ring. <laughs> I don't think the bell even rang for this match, mind you, because the ref is like there. The ref is like in horror, trying to piece things together. And then I think he just gives up. It just leaves the ring as they just continue to fight each other. Oh, they the bell rings a little bit in the ring. The bell Does rings, I don't, but I don't think it rings, but it signifies wrestle. the match getting thrown out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, right. That's what it rang. Because they got to the ring at some point and wrestled in the ring a little bit, but then they went right back to the outside. Yeah, so the ref's trying to get them in the ring. Uh, Aja Kong rips Bull from the back, still Grand Wizard outfit and everything. Chairs are just being thrown. They're getting knocked down. Like, swarms of, of, of the fans are migrating to different parts of the arena as spreading out like like a like a they're trying to avoid the destruction it's like they're running away from the destruction it looked like a sea of fish with two sharks coming in and they were moving like like that appropriately so they do eventually get back in the ring like you said but they immediately just start brawling again because the ref was about to ring the bell he's like all right we're in the ring nope back outside and that's kind of when he goes all right fuck this throw it out and for the remainder of however long this match goes for Aja and Bull are proceeding to try to, uh, <laughs> the, the every single chair in the arena is basically knocked down or thrown in some way. And it's a great visual too of uh, like a, a a pan up shot of Aja walking through the sea of just chairs laying on the ground. It's crazy. It's one of it's one of the best angles in women's wrestling I've I've seen. The only the the one I would put this right up there. Uh, obviously a different different type of angle, but uh, with the dump Matsumoto. Uh, <laughs> kicking the shit out of uh, Chigusa Nagayo from singing and then like cutting her clothes and shit and that's what kind of started the the hair match That's a, that was a really good angle from a pre-show you can go and look up uh, this one is it, it now it's in the middle of the feud obviously and this really just kind of took took it up to another notch they've had their cage matches <laughs> Gato involved <laughs> Yeah, and, right. Just randomly, he's involved. I don't yeah. even know why. And now they've uh, now they're clearly rekindling this and ran this big angle in a in a main event. Uh, really cool stuff. I think it did exactly its purpose. I want. I I, do, I wonder what would it take. What kind of feud would it take for something similar to happen in the modern era in terms of women's wrestling? I don't even want to talk about the men because this I think this Julia was Julia Tam. Julia Tam might be the closest we'll get to that. 
I, I well, there's still the idle aspects to it all. Uh, by the yeah, way, because times times have changed a lot. They yeah, don't do this, stuff but I'm anymore. Tr- I, th- I think uh, I think Utami Shuri could have could have could do something. Um, boy, that would be a wacky angle at Sumo Hall. They wouldn't do that though. I, I I'm just what? trying to think of two badass level of people. Uh, that that could get a just like if they were to do this angle in the modern era, like who would it be? And that that's a fun thing uh, to well, think about. It would be Tora because that's the only equivalent they would nah, have. Nah, she doesn't like have the this. credibility as these two. So the only thing that comes to mind, and it's because they had intensity in their feud, and the one title match they had involved chairs and fighting in the ring and throwing water on each other. Uh, Momo and Hazuki. Hmm. They could probably do something like this where they're just fighting and destroying each other in the crowd before a bell rings. I just don't think that that would work modern era, so I can't picture anyone actually doing that. I don't know. Uh, I think Julia Tam is the closest we'll get to something like that, given that things have sort of changed. Yeah. However, uh, I think, and I could be mistaken, I think the next classics we'll have will be the title match between these two. Oh, cool. All right. Because I think this is, this is what? This is uh, February, yeah? February, January? Yeah, February. So the title match happens in March. So cool. That's probably the next one we get. Excited for that. Yeah. Uh, we kind of briefly, or we we, uh, we skipped over the fact that <laughs> this classics in the intro showed Bolnacano and much of the roster kind of pop singing. <laughs> yeah, Bolnacano pop singing, full makeup and hair. By the way, it wasn't like she was like had her hair down and looked all pretty. <laughs> no, her hair's up. Her face paint is on, and she is singing you a tune. Yeah. I, I, I want to hear what that sounds like, what her singing voice sounds like with just all of that. I need to see that somewhere. I'm sure just, you can just, find it online, yeah. I'm pretty sure you probably could, but it's just it's probably got to be the weirdest juxtaposition visual to what's going Because I think she has a good singing voice, if memory serves, from her from like stuff she's done in recent times with her YouTube channel and stuff. I think she has a very good singing voice. So just having that, that sort of... Very good singing voice coming out of that monster. It's just, I just want to see that now. We go on to March 7th, 1992. Bat Yoshinaga versus Akemi Torisu. Horrible. Why watch these? I'm moving on to That's something the more fun. Candidate. Fuck you. <laughs> Bull Nakano versus Akira Hokuto goes 14 and a half minutes. Got a 3.75 in the Observer, by the way. Uh, Hokuto has her lamp tassels. On her white gear this time around, she's not dangerous queen yet. Hokuto was in no, full control for a it. lot of this match, and in a in a sense, heel hooks, leg locks, that kind of thing. Really felt like she was t- trying to channel uh, like Bison style more than Akira Hokuto style to try to take down Bolnikano. And I guess that makes sense. She's she's seen. I'm trying to like kayfabe it a little bit in this uh, analysis because Hokuto has seen Bison rip apart Aja Kong. Big rival of Bulnikano, probably taking her to her limit. Uh, she's tried the high flying game against Bulnikano, got her ass kicked. Now we're on to another match to try to beat her, and it worked for a lot of it, but it was a little, little too slow for my liking. I thought it was fine. Uh, I do agree it was a little too slow, especially because it's from what we expect of the style in AGW, we don't expect it to be this sort of slow down. Right. Uh, I, I get what they were going for. Uh, I get Kira Hokuto is trying to figure out how she can beat Bull and doing different ways to try to do so. I think it's probably the smarter way to do it is try to break her down. The problem you run into with that is the match is boring, but from a kayfabe standpoint, the part you run into that's bad is you spend so much time on one in, on one sort of thing that you don't actually do enough actual damage to them outside of that one limb. 
they can just beat you up and win. Yeah, because over the course of the match, anytime Bull kind of has a power back sequence, reverses the flow, this is when Hokuto kind of reverts to her old ways, does some like top rope drop kicks that she does. So a little high speed, a little high flying, but it's not much. It's too, it's, there's too much gap in between. And uh, eventually, Bull Nakano just completely overpowers her. She hits uh, a rad uh, top rope Samoan drop. Uh, and it had a really cool ending finish, though, because uh, Hokuto is going for like a slice bread off the uh, little uh, top rope there, but from uh, the middle. And instead of like flipping all the way around, Bull just counters into a reverse, reverse neck breaker and pins her. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of abrupt one day. Yeah. So fun match, but kind of kind of slow in between a little bit. Not th- not their best work, I would say, but still solid nonetheless. I agree with that. Yeah, not their best. And now this main event, this main event is phenomenal. I love this. It's Toshio Yamada and Minami Toyota. Their tag team. Yes, they are a tag team. Yeah, what's their tag team? Uh, I don't believe they have a name at this point. I don't think they ever get a name. Oh, they didn't? I thought... I, no. Oh, I'm thinking of Tokyo Sweetheart, Sweethearts, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, a, that's an early, early team in her career. I, I don't think they ever got a team name. I cannot remember didn't if they we, ever got a, Didn't we find did. it out one of these in the past? I believe we did, didn't we? I don't remember, but I don't remember, remember them having a team name, because I've always seen them on the billing as just Yamada and, and Manami. Uh, I don't think they got a name. Hmm... It made sense right. that they didn't get a name if they're because they're feuding the rivalry. It's still kind of going on at this point. It's like the we can't beat each other, so we'll just join together as a force. I remember. maybe that's probably why they don't have a name. Hmm. But technically, Bull and Hokuto didn't have a name. Uh, no, they did not. I did, swear, did, 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 I swear, it was once anyway. upon a time we found what they were called at one point. Ah. I don't think we. I don't think we did because I don't think they have a name. I wonder. I wonder. Oh, I don't anymore because I, I feel like this team on its own doesn't even need a name. They're awesome. Uh, well, tell me about the match, Kay, and who they're against. So they are facing the team of Suzuka Manami and Yumika Hota, the UWA Tag Team Title Champions. You know, the belts from Mexico that I keep thinking from the U.S. 1987 Team Gold Combo. What? Don't you remember that? <laughs> what? I pulled up old notes. That's what they were called. I don't believe and they're like that a, at all. In their like, in their like Olympic gear, and they're they're part of the class of '87 or whatever. Come on. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure they don't go by that anymore. Nah, come sure on. They're 1987 Team Gold Combo. <laughs> 1987 Team Gold Combo. Oh yes, with a side of fries and a shake. <laughs> <laughs> no, I refuse to acknowledge that as their team. It sounds too too much. You're not buying it. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no, no. I'm pretty sure that was just for that only, because I guarantee you they don't ever use I've never heard that use. Well, Suzuka Minami is, uh, like, perfect white belt material, perfect tag team main eventer. Uh, Hota, this is, I think, Hota's best match to date in her career. Uh, She had very little to really do in this match. It was mostly around Suzuka Minami and Toshio Yamada, and they work really well together. Great start between Yamada and uh, Manami. Um, Suzuka Manami, I mean. And Manami makes Hota... Manami Toyota... God, this is going to be annoying. <laughs> Manami Toyota makes Hota eat the feet. 
<laughs> and by she that sure I mean does. just just spamming the dropkick button, and the whole match was just nonstop like this. Yamada top rope Muay Thai uh, Muay Thai kick uh, pins Hota after it all. Uh, then we finally see these UWA tag titles, and they look exactly like the 1990s WWF tag titles. I laughed oh, hysterically the at this. Tea. It's the best. So I, I made the joke uh, a little bit before, but these UWA belts, I always feel like they're, they're belts from the States, but they're from Mexico. <laughs> yeah, they have the Mexican flag and Amer- um, no, and the Japanese flag in, in each corner of the WWF tag titles here. <laughs> It is straight up the WF tag belts. Well, there's always the joke in Mexico where they take designs of American belts and then it fl- and, and uh, they just put like a little little of their own stamp on it. That's what exact and they float around Mexico for a long time, and th- that's <laughs> that what we hilarious. got here. So I, I, find, I find it funny that you mentioned ah oh, this match was great. Uh, Hota had very little to do with it. I wonder why that's make why the match is great then. A little Hota in the match probably sounds like a good thing. Well, Suzuka Minami's cardio, her fitness, like everything is just at a next at the at the next level. And whenever we see her in tag matches, whether it was her and the Marine Wolves with Akira Hokuto, sh- this is where she's strongest is when she can uh, uh, mold with a people like Yamada and Toyota, each with two completely different styles, keeps Minami from from keeps Minami looking fresh because she can kind of rest as Yamada just throws strikes and Toyota runs around the ring. And whenever she needs to pick up her own pace to hit her moves, she can do that. Hota, on the other hand, she comes in and just does does her few things. She throws a few kicks, hits like a German or back suplex, and then she's out of there. And, and that's where she's strongest, when she does as little as possible and does the four things she does well. I know. I think the match was uh, it was perfectly put together for what it needed to. Because at this point, Manami Toyota is great, but she's super flashy and super all over the place. So you want to focus on the two people that are at least more put together and can sort of carry the the brunt of the match, right? Yamada with her kicks, Suzuka Manami with her cardio and her ability to just sell like a monster, just get the shit kicked out of her and sell it really well, as well as have the the really good babyface kind of come up spots when she tries to come back and everything. He said Hota comes in, does her a few things. Manami does sort of wild things on the outside and sort of picks up the pace at times. It's exactly what it needed to be. And Manami and uh, Yamada are, a, I think I've said this before, but they have the perfect chemistry against yeah, each they, other. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they're a gold team so combo, well. okay? Oh, yeah, 1987 gold team gold combo. <laughs> <laughs> Without the flip, no, don't miss the fries and shake, though. And the apple yeah. pie. Uh, Yamada goes to the top rope, and so does Suzuka Minami in this match for some sort of uh, crossbody. They both look like planks of wood falling off that turnbuckle. Oh, it's just, and it's best. and it's not like a horizontal crossbody. It's just a vertical crossbody, and there's no jump. It's they hilarious. just they just kind of tiptoe off the turnbuckle. Meanwhile, Minami Toyota goes, oh yeah? And she goes, she she does her springboard moonsault where it looks like she has no footing and it's you're just waiting for her to face plant on the apron every time. She and almost did. <laughs> almost does this time. The the I think it was just the last one that we covered where she actually does face plant herself and Bison f- plants on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a real barn burner for the century. God. No. She got so close though. I think we replayed it, and she was like, "Just, just 
just millisecond or millimeters away from it, like just a few inches more, and she just smacked her face full frontal on it. It's again. incredible. This went almost twenty three minutes. It was just nonstop action. Incredible match. Lot lots of energy throughout. Good near falls at the end. I mean, this is the this is the standard Joshi tag match. This is it right here. Well, yeah, definitely. And I think Manami and to- and uh, Yamada. Or probably what, when you think of when at least when I think of good tag teams that symbolize the sort of Joshi this era tag style, it's those two that come to mind because they play so well off of each other and their styles fit the mold. The, the strikes and the speed and high flying, just that combo together works so perfectly, and they have such great chemistry with each other. I think they're probably the one tag team that I think of that isn't like a a standalone tag team like the J- Jumping Bomb Angels and whatnot that have the perfect chemistry. There's two single stars that do so well together and against each other. I mean, they're a great tag team. Uh, gold standard. Uh, Suzuka Minami, <laughs> this is this is the second high-level match that I've watched in the last couple of months from Suzuka Minami. Uh, both come in tag settings, uh, and she <laughs> currently has my uh, best match in LLPW as I entered 1993, <laughs> and it, it's no surprise. She is She is excellent. And what she's able to do in a tag setting, she's getting more and more comfortable as she settles into this role. As she, her story was completed with the white belt, Nakira Hokuto, and Marine Wolves, and that was a, that was a very solid story. Meltzer gave this match four point seven five stars. I wouldn't go that high, uh, but big I star, s- big star, Manami. Manami gets all the big stars from him. Well, I personally wouldn't go that high. Uh, however, if you were watching this in '92, maybe you would because. There's nothing else like this going on. Oh no, definitely not even in the men's stuff. Is there stuff no. like this going on? No, that's a. I, be- uh, I believe. Say, uh... I believe this one match of the year. I'm this. This might be the case. This might have won Observer Match of the Year '92 over the Flair Vader match from Starcade. I... Over the Bull Logic title match. Correct. Well, it's the Observer Awards, okay? Uh, I guess. I mean, listen, Big Dave Man is on record saying that Manami Toyota is the greatest of all time, and I won't disagree with him on that one. <laughs> uh, when it fits your narrative, you'll agree. <laughs> exactly. That's how, that's how Dave's stuff works. Right? When all it fits right. your narrative, you like it. When he doesn't, you hate it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Um. Yeah. Uh, the Flair Vader match was really good in 92. I think I got that right. Could have been 93. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking that. Ah, whatever. Uh, point being, love this match. Uh, it's a it's a must watch. It's definitely a 1992 match of the year candidate from what we've seen so far. I'm looking forward to more, and I wonder if we ever see these UWA tag titles ever again. I think we do, actually. Okay, looking forward to where that uh, Bull Nakano Aja Kong thing leads to. Uh, I guess we'll, we'll guess we'll yeah, have to find it, out. <laughs> it definitely feels like it's going to be the next one because it happens in March, so it has to be the next one or the one after that. Mm, all right. I guess it's time to move along. <laughs> 